With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside FM allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Talking Blues podcast. I'm Josh, and I'm joined by both of my co-hosts, Peter and Alex, and we are excited to bring you this episode. Not the best uh, game for Chelsea, a pretty boring game. Brighton, Chelsea, nil-nil, and it is what it is, though. We, we move on, and that does not really help us uh, going into this West Ham game, just because it would be very nice, and Alex and I were talking about it, um, and I think we were talking about it on this podcast as well, that, you know... A game going against West Ham, obviously competing for the top four spot. A win before the game against West Ham in the Premier League would be the best thing to get. That, that obviously did not happen. Chelsea and West Ham are 10 points, but the goal differential is 19 to 11. Chelsea leads in that. So they sit in fourth now, but obviously 10 points, like I mentioned. Still one point behind Leicester City is both clubs. Uh, Leicester City at 56 points. And I think it's it's pretty obvious that you know, Chelsea were not in their best, you know, uh, area of play in that match. We had a game against Manchester City, which is debatably, uh, not debatably, excuse me, the best team in the Premier League and probably the best team in England with 77 points clear in the Premier League, went into the FA Cup. Sure, it's a tournament, whatever it is, maybe their players weren't playing the best, but we beat them. So, you know, I don't know what happened, what the transfer was from FA Cup to Premier League match against Brighton. Obviously, Brighton is definitely not as strong of a, of a side as um, as Manchester City. So I just think maybe it was rest. Maybe some players needed rest. Maybe Thomas Tuchel just wasn't... I don't know. I don't want to give excuses. Um, there obviously was some stuff with the Super League, which is what we talked about for 20 minutes last episode. So I'm not just going to completely ignore that. We're going to go into that. But the plan is game. going to recap that just a little bit. I have no men of the match. I don't know what Peter and Alex have. I 
don't think any Chelsea player should be awarded the man of the match for this game. But nil-nil draw against Brighton. Um, we'll, we'll recap that for a second. We'll go to the Super League stuff because um, that was humongous news in the football world, how quickly that ended. And then we will also talk about um, the West Ham match that we're going to have this weekend. Very important game. And Real Madrid's coming up next week, which won't be talked about in this one. It'll talk to be, be talked about earlier next episode. But I'll send it over to my two co-hosts, Alex and Peter, and see what they have to say on this match against Brighton. Well, I'll start off with this. You mentioned how from going from beating City, who's been playing very, very, very well, to playing, I'll just say, bad football against Brighton. Obviously, like you said, you don't want to make any excuses, but I think definitely the Super League, everything, the drama with that, the fans at the stadium, that I think that most definitely had an effect. It's not a good excuse. We still should be able to win. But I think that definitely threw everything off. Obviously, the start time got pushed back a bit. I think it threw off everyone's routine, everyone's schedule, everyone's preparation. But Brayton had to deal with the same thing, right? It wasn't just us. So, I mean, we don't really have an excuse there because it was an even playing field. But also, like you said, Josh, I also don't have a man of the match. That's just everybody played terrible. It was a terrible game. Uh, it's literally the complete opposite from the Man City game. Man City game, I didn't have a man of the match because everybody played so well. But this game, it's a man of the match because nobody played well. The only person that played somewhat decently, I mean, Kepa played solid. He made an important save towards the end. I think it was on Lalana. I mean, Mason Mount obviously played in a position under Tuchel that he hasn't played before next to Jorginho, and he played solidly. Jorginho also played somewhat solid, so I'd have to give it to one of those three, but none of them really deserve it. Um, I mean, speaking of the Matt midfield, I think you can really see how much we miss Mateo Kovacic to injury, right? I think this would have been a perfect game to, for him. We need someone there where his dribbling ability and his ability to bring the ball forward and then spread it out wide or play through balls is just, it was missed in this game. Mason Mount did a, tried to do his best to kind of emulate that, but it's not really the same as Kovacic in there, especially because Mount isn't as accustomed to it. I think we're seeing why we need to basically start Kovacic every game because I think the midfield in both of these games well, against Man City, it was fine until they brought on Phil Foden and Gundogan, and then the more midfield kind of guy started to get outclassed. And, I mean, Kovacic, I think, is a must-start, and this is proving it. Mount played well enough that I think if we could see him in the future there, if we have some other attackers playing very well and we still want to get someone as talented as he is into the side, he could definitely play there. Um, other players that came back, Christensen came back from injury. I mean, he played solidly. There wasn't really much of anything that he really important he needed to do. Obviously, Brighton didn't have many chances. They had one really good one that hit the post, and then Kepa saved probably the only other real chance they had. Uh, defense, I guess, played solidly. We shouldn't have given up that good of a chance. I mean, I don't think that's even on the defense, though. I think the midfield gave it away. It was just a bad game. I don't even need to go into detail. I just can say it was just a terrible game. The attack couldn't do anything. ZH looked completely lost. Pulisic made some good runs, but didn't really do anything. Kai Havertz should have scored early in the game, and he had a chance like inside the 18-yard box wide open. 
didn't score that hit it right at the keeper. Uh, but besides that, he didn't really do anything. Reese James didn't really do anything. Marcus Alonso didn't really do anything. Pretty much no one did anything. It was just a terrible game, terrible showing, but whatever. We need to move on and go to the West Ham game and do better. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Peter. Obviously, the game in this, you know, in the whole situation that, you know, surrounded the game wasn't really important. Like you said, nothing really happened in the game. For me, Keppo's the man of the match. I mean, he made that good save, like you mentioned, Peter. He was over he was overall solid. Uh, and I think he, you know, is on good form now under Tuchel. Um, and I, I'm happy to see him hopefully, you know, doing well and progressing, uh, you know, out of this really bad piece of, well, I can't even say form because it wasn't even form that he was in for a long, long time. Um, besides that, uh, like you mentioned, Peter, Kovacic is so critical to this team. The way he almost glides, right? He almost glides with the ball. That's my favorite way to describe it. The way he takes the ball and brings it up the field. Uh, it, it's just, it's, it's very special and it's something that we definitely miss. Hopefully he will be back very soon. Um, but yeah, I don't have anything else really surrounding that. Um, I, I mean, I'll probably get into some of the super league stuff now because of, you know, that was really the main thing of this game, right? Outside, uh, you know, you had protests before the game, Chelsea fans, thousands of them outside, not just Chelsea fans, just football fans in general, uh, but majority Chelsea fans. Uh, outside Stanford Bridge protesting, not letting the bus through, um, and really letting their voices heard, uh, letting their voices be heard. Uh, there was rumors before the game actually happened that Man City and Chelsea were both, uh, you know, kind of reluctant to join in the first place, um, and they were unsure about it, and they were thinking about making a U-turn already, even hours after they had agreed to do it. Um, so this kind of, it looks like, just sealed off the decision for them um, you know, the bus couldn't get through. The game was slightly delayed. There was a whole big thing. Uh, Petr Cech came out and obviously his, uh, you know, speech to the Chelsea fans or not really speech, just his words of calm uh, to the Chelsea fans saying that he would fix it, um, you know, was something very special. And then being able to see that the news coming out from various sources, um, you know, like Fabrizio Romano, that Chelsea were going to pull out. Um, and then you could see the live reaction of the Chelsea fans. There was live streams all over YouTube about the, uh, you know, about the protests there. And obviously everyone was cheering when it was over. And then after that, every single, it was kind of like, uh, what, what do you call the, the, it was kind of like a domino effect, right? Chelsea fell, uh, fell, I guess, out of the Super League. Then you got Man City, Arsenal, all the rest of the English teams. And then obviously now you have all the Italian teams who pulled out also. Um, and now it's just, you know, uh, uh, what did they say? A temporary pause or something. They didn't outright cancel it, but it's basically done for quite a while. Um, but basically what I wanted to make clear is this isn't, we shouldn't celebrate these owners for pulling out. They pulled out because it was going to hurt them financially, not because it was going to help them, not because they actually cared about the game. They saw the uproar and they didn't want to lose their fans. So they, all agreed to get into this league, right? They didn't, they all agreed to it. So they all thought it was fine. So they shouldn't be let off the hook. We all know they are capable and what they want is that. They want this Super League. They want teams to be excluded. They want the money that comes with the Super League and they don't actually care about the game. So as much as, you know, all of this is good that it's not happening, at least at this moment, we have to remember that, you know, it was all in the plans of these people uh, and it's not going to go away. So we have to keep, you know, keeping united as a fan base and show that we really do not want this. Um, but really, the power of the fans won the battle. 
Uh, and I'm just really glad, uh, you know, and you can see when all the football fans come together from all around the world, things do get done and uh, we're quite unstoppable. Uh, that's kind of my message here, but I was very happy that it didn't go through. Uh, and I'm just happy we can get to focus on the games once again. Yeah, and you you heard the reaction from the Chelsea fans as they surrounded Stamford Bridge and Chelsea prepared to withdraw. I'll play the sound uh, now. <laughs> And yeah, it was just a surreal scene. I mean, just, you know, hearing that and then going towards a match against Brighton, it was like going to be so exciting. And obviously the fans weren't, be, you know, able to be in Stamford Bridge. But I mean, you had the whole thing with Petr Cech coming out to talk to fans and people were being a little too disrespectful to Petr Cech. I mean, he's not in decision. He's not deciding whether Chelsea's going in the Super League or not, right? Um, but just to hear all the fans' relief and they really made a difference um, and they made the difference that I think they forced Chelsea to withdraw from the Super League. I think it, uh, they they felt the impact and from the opening statement that um, the opening statement about the Super League was this is what the fans want. We're giving them what they want to the fans telling you what they actually want. And finally, the people listened and that's what led all these teams to withdraw and um we're now here without a Super League. And the only thing is that kind of sucks is apparently there will be punishments. Um, the EPL I saw have been meeting. The, the people on the board of the EPL have been meeting. Uh, and there will be punishments to these quote-unquote big six teams. Um, so we're awaiting those, obviously. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure it won't be anything too crazy. It could be something that has to do with transfers. But I don't know. Uh, obviously... Obviously, they're not too happy. I don't blame them. It's just annoying that, you know, from all these rumors or... And I think now it's even true now that we've heard uh, Roman Abramovich did not want to join the Super League since the beginning. Uh, and Chelsea were kind of forced into this corner and had to make the decision whether to go or not. They did decide to go. So whether they didn't want to go or not, they did. Now we have to face the punishments uh, as Chelsea fans. And we'll we'll see what they are. But... I mean, Peter, before we move on to the West Ham match, anything you have to say about the Super League? It was just a terrible idea from the start, and I'm glad that the fans were able to show how important we are to the game and be able to turn the decision. I think Alex basically said it perfectly. Only thing I will touch on is the punishment. Is I don't think it can be too major. It could be a transfer ban for one or two seasons, but for us, that's not that bad. I mean, obviously it is because you can't sign any players, which is never good. But... We already we have so much young talent that they're going to keep developing, and we have enough players as it is that as long as we keep everyone there, we have a full enough squad that we can survive that. The only thing I... UEFA also said they might come down with punishment, which scares me more because that would most likely be a European competition ban, which I don't want to see happen. I don't think it'll be anything major like kicking us out of the Champions League this season or... Uh, yeah, we're kicking us out of the FA Cup this season, nothing like that. It could happen, you never know, but I think they can't, they don't really want to do that because that hurts them and that hurts that competition. But we definitely could see uh, maybe uh, a European ban and a transfer ban for one season, which would definitely be so, so. I mean, I can't say it's extreme because we deserve it. I mean, we deserve to get punished for it, but. It'd just be so annoying because we were in this for two two days, probably less. We never really wanted to do it, but like 
Josh said, we did it. And so we have to face the punishment for it. Hopefully it's nothing major. I don't, I definitely don't think it'd be something like that would take effect this season, like kicking us out of any competitions, but we could see us not being the champions league for next season or the season after that. All right. So I think that's all we have for, you know, the past. Now we're going to look towards the future. Um, you know, assuming that there is no punishment in terms of reduction of points or whatever, I've heard rumors of that as well. We have a very big game here uh, against West Ham. If you look at it, um, you know, if you look at the table here, West Ham are sitting on 55 points, uh, same as Chelsea. Chelsea do edge them out with goal differential, uh, 19 to 11. Uh, West Ham, uh, they're on good form. Chelsea are on, you know, reasonably good form besides that their most recent draw. Um, obviously West Ham losing their previous game. Um, but, you know, they've been a really solid side this season. They have a lot of good players, a lot of young players, and it's going to be a difficult match. Um, and, you know, this race for the top four, it's getting close, it's getting tight. And, you know, it's coming down to the end, only six games left. And we have to make sure we get at least a point in this game. I think we, we can't afford to lose. Um, we do have the upper hand in this scenario uh, with our points. Liverpool are right behind us, um, though, which is kind of a bit of a problem. Tottenham also are a, bit beh- uh, a little bit behind us also uh, with their most recent win. So there are some things to, you know, keep concerned about. And I'm not so sure, you know, I'm not sure if a tie is good enough to keep us in the top four, but I think a minimum tie is what we need. We can't afford to lose this game and, you know, be three points behind West Ham. Um, And so this is a really probably our biggest game of the season, I would say, so far. Uh, It's a huge game. And I guess Saturday at 1230 Eastern time, um, I'm stealing Josh's job now. And that would be. Here we go. 5.30. That was a pretty easy one, actually. Eastern uh, UK time for everyone viewing over there. Um, but I guess we'll get right into our lineups. And for me, I have a bit of a surprise again. I think Kepa starts. I think, um, yes, you know, he's had two very good games now in a row. And I, I'm liking how he's doing. And I think Tuchel will want to keep his confidence and give him another start um, at the weekend. I can't bring myself to say that. He's had two games that are good, that are solid. I just do not risk anything. Get him out while he's still ahead, right? Do not let him make a mistake. They can cost us our season. Mendy, you are going back into net. I do not want to risk Kepa. Sure, he's playing better, right? I don't want to knock him, when he, especially when he's playing very well. But I don't want to risk anything. I don't want to risk any passes that give West Ham a goal that basically make us lose hope of playing in the Champions League next season. So Mendy will be in net, please. I said this in the FA Cup, but Kepa did play well than that. But please, just please come back, Mendy. I don't want to risk Kepa mistake. And then I think Aspie will come back into the side. Christensen will be there, and Rudiger will be there as a three center backs. Mendy starts in net for me as well. Uh, I don't know what Alex is on right now, but, you know, I don't know if he's good for recording at this hour, but, you know, it is what it is. Rudiger, uh, left center back. And then I have Thiago Silva starting with Asby. Going to the back four, Marcus Alonso, I think, starts at left wing back instead of Ben Chilwell. We might want him for this match against Real Madrid, which is, remember, three days from Saturday on Tuesday. So I think we might want Ben Chilwell then. Conte and Jorginho have starting. I think Kovacic misses another match. Hopefully he'll be fit and ready by Tuesday as well. Reese James, right wing back position. And then this is where it gets tough, the front three. Do we see Timo Werner? I don't. Mason Mount, Christian Pulisic, Kai Havertz. Hey, last time I guessed that Keppel was going to start, and you guys both doubted me um, for that Man City game, and he did start. So, 
sure, she's going to start in this game. Um, for my back three, I'm going to have Aspie, Christensen, Rudiger. Uh, and in my midfield, uh, right wing back, I'm going to have Reese James. Left wing back, I'm going to have Ben Chilwell. And in the center of midfield, I'm going to go Jorginho uh, and Conte together uh, with Kovacic out, obviously, through injury. I can't say Billy Gilmore will start in a game like this. I can't. I could see Mason Mount coming, staying in there, but I think Conte will definitely come back. I could see Mount for Jorginho, but I don't think it will happen. I think the midfield, too, will be Conte and Jorginho. Ben Show will be on the left. Reese James will be on the right. I wouldn't mind seeing Callum Hudson-Odoi in this game. He didn't really do anything against Brighton, but I think I think this could be a good game for him, possibly. It's, we're struggling to attack, right? We need as many attacking options as we can. But I think it will be Reese James. And then front three, I think Mason Mount has to get uh, forward more, so he'll, he'll be there. I think Christian Pulisic definitely has to be there. He's still been playing well, even though he didn't really do anything for it, and he was probably our most dangerous player. And I think up top, last time I said Shrew and Abraham, uh, I've begun to realize that I don't think we're ever going to see them start. So I think Timo Werner will start up top. So Pulisic, Werner, and Mount is my front three. So for my front three, I'm going to go with experience. And the way I'm going to go with this is I'm going to have Mason Mount, not very experienced, but also our best player. So he doesn't really count there. I'm going to go Giroud up front, and I'm going to go Ziyech on the right-hand side. I think Ziyech and Giroud are a nice combination there against a very physical West Ham back line. Um, they won't have Craig Dawson, uh, Craig Dawson, sorry, I believe, for this game. So that'll be a center back who's played very well for them, who will be gone. Obviously, they have Ogbana, who's been very good this season was very good in the air as well. Uh, so I think if you had someone like Werner up front or even Havertz, I think they would get too bullied up there. So I think Giroud is a really good fit for this game. And Ziyech obviously just brings in those beautiful crosses as well. So him and Reese James, on, uh, Reese James on that right-hand side are very nice. For this game, this is going to be a tough one. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Chelsea win. I think Chelsea will concede. I think we'll concede first. Um, and then I do believe that we will be able to come back with two goals. I think um, you know, Giroud up front, I think he does give you goals, right? Um, and you know he's going to give you, if you give him a good delivery, he's going to score. Um, so I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea, Giroud goal, and Ben Chilwell goal. Bang, right there. This is either going to be nil nil, or it's going to be a bunch of goals. It's going to be like 3-2, 4-3, 3-3, something like that. Because West Ham seem to have almost no defense but be able to score. But us, we're the complete opposite. We have a bunch of defense and we can't score. So it's either going to be one where we play bad defensively but play well attacking or vice versa. I hate to say it, but I, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in our scoring ability. I think it's going to be nil-nil. I think it'll be a draw. Maybe we'll sneak a goal. Maybe it might be one-nil, but I think nil-nil, it's going to happen. We're going to have to deal with it. Hopefully we can stay in top four. It doesn't really help that much, but we'll we'll if Liverpool win, we'll stay level with them. So a draw is good enough. We want to win. Hopefully we sneak one one now, but I think it has to be nil nil. I don't think we can score one one draw. I think Chelsea will draw with West Ham. Uh, I don't think there will be a clear winner in this match, but we'll see. We'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Obviously, please be watching just like us on Saturday, twelve thirty five thirty UK time. 12.30 Eastern Time. Thanks for listening to episode 55 of the Talking Blues podcast. Really hope 
you enjoyed it. Hopefully we'll have a guest on to preview this match against Real Madrid on Tuesday. We were really excited for that. So guest or not, we will be back uh, Monday, I think will be our episode. So really thank, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Talking Blues Pod. Subscribe, drop five stars, and we will see you next time. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.